do is hear me talk, right? That's what, that's what you want, right? You want to hear me talk? I'll talk, but this is Max Friedman talking. When this company first started, it was all friends wrestling. Everybody was handed a ticket, except for me. See, I had to write my own. And boy, do I have good penmanship, because I created moment after moment after moment for this company, and I still get no respect. It's funny I hear booze, but I also hear clapping. That's interesting. That's interesting. Where were you guys? Where were you guys this whole weekend when you were calling me an unprofessional piece of shit? I am the best. I'm the best in the world. Because I'm the only guy who makes you feel. And unlike all those boys, I don't got to do a bunch of bullshit to get you there. So he hoards all that money so he can give it to all the new ex-WWE guys he keeps bringing in. That can't lace my goddamn boots. I don't want to wait till 2024, but you don't listen to me, so allow me to make it a little bit easier for you. Tony, I want you to fire me. Tony, don't tell me down, you piece of shit. Shut your mouth. Look at me, Tony. Look at me. I want you to fire me. You Boy, what a night in Los Angeles for AEW Dynamite. Welcome in to Good Karma Wrestling, along with Gabe Neitzel and Brian Rowitz. I'm Jonathan Hood. We had our pop-up show yesterday. You can find the archives on YouTube, as well as Good Karma Wrestling via the podcast. But here we are in our regular time slot. Here we are, Brian, and there's still ramifications. It's My head's still buzzing over the MJF promo, or should I say Max Friedman promo, that we saw yesterday at the Kia Forum in Los Angeles. Yeah, MJF uh, definitely knows how to take the attention where, you know, double or nothing happened, forbidden doors right around the corner. But MJF is the talk of the town. To say that with a hell of a promo is really an understatement last night. Like, that was quite a night from young MJF. Just some of the things that he said in that promo, about seven or eight minutes of him just taking off, right? This is segment two of All Elite Wrestling's Dynamite. After we saw Max Caster and the Gun Club and CM Punk and FTR, here comes MJF. And we didn't know what he'd say, right? He goes through all those power bombs and gets embarrassed and gets beat down. Exactly what we knew was going to happen, right? He yep. knew he was going to lose in that matchup in double or nothing. It led off the pay-per-view. And so we see this, and then he takes the mic, and we didn't know what he's going to say. He goes, scorched earth. That's what all that comes to mind for me. When he says he makes you feel, and he's not a guy that does a lot of flips and all that, what he was doing is taking a shot at that rest of that locker room. Listen, it's a modern wrestling company where you've got a lot of young guys that like to be able to do a lot of gymnastics, a lot of flips. And, again, they do it the way they want to do it. But MJF does it in an old-school way. He says he makes you feel, Gabe Neitzel, when I watch him, indeed, based on his promo ability, he makes me feel because he gets it done not only in the ring, but also on the mic. I mean, one of the biggest uh, kind of complaints I would say against AEW has been, you know, we, we heard it and we talked about it when um, 
Eric Bischoff said, oh, they're not telling meaningful stories and they need to be better about their storytelling. MJF has told meaningful stories. He's told silly stories when they do, you know, the dinner song and dance with him and Chris Jericho. They did, um, you know, a, a really good, I thought, story with him and CM Punk. Great story with him and Wardlow. I mean, he has been, if you were to run down the top five stories of AEW for the past year, he's probably, I mean, those three off the top of my head, he might even have more. And that's the thing. I think one of the reasons it hit so much last night is because of how much reality there was. There was all this speculation from the weekend of whether or not he was going to leave, whether or not he was going to be at double or nothing. And a lot of the stuff he hit on last night, you find yourself sitting back and you're like, yeah, I guess that's a good point. Like, yeah, there are a lot of XWWE guys. Yeah, MJF is the guy that makes us feel. So that sort of line, and I don't know if this would have worked with really anyone else. Like, I think it speaks to how good he is and how amazing he is as a heel that it is so believable. And I think there are still people who are sit back after last night and are like, we sure this is a work? Like, are, are there still parts that maybe like, where are we here? And I think it just speaks to how good he is on the mic. Well, I just think back to, you know, and so many people have wanted to compare this and, and I've done it as well. 2011 in the, in the pipe bomb. Like that's what you want to compare it to. So when I think back to CM Punk's pipe bomb and the way they were able to blend reality and, and do so many things there within that storyline, like there were still some pretty big concerns that CM Punk had that never actually ever went away. You know, there was a little bit more trust that was built up there. Obviously, he signed his contract extension before eventually walking out three years later in 2014. But, you know, I think that it's the same thing with MJF. Maybe they reached understanding, but there's no way that Tony Khan lets him have that open forum and a microphone unless he's on board with what's about to happen. Like the microphone would have been shut off a long time, you know, very quickly into that promo if Tony Guys, let's go all the way back to the beginning of this, right? So Saturday night, Sunday morning, when I'm coming in, stumbling in to, to the house, I come to find out that MJF may leave Double or Nothing, may not even be part of Sunday's festivities. And so I read about it and I put it on, up on our Instagram at Good Karma Wrestling on Instagram, where you can follow us. And I did a video saying that, well, based on everything we hear from Sean Ross Sapp and from Dave Meltzer and others that are covering this even closer than we are, that there was a, a ticket, an airplane ticket, out of Las Vegas to go to New York. I don't know if he bought it or someone bought it, but apparently he was supposed to be on that plane going and leaving Double or Nothing. And my whole thought at that time was, well, you can't leave Wardlow high and dry. You may have a problem with AEW, but you just can't do that to Wardlow. You built up this story, and so you gotta let it, you got to pay it off. you got to give Wardlow his victory, and then you can do whatever you want. But here's the thing that I really like about this. Similar to Steve Austin, similar to other things we see in ECW in the past, a real story becomes a storyline. And who knows? Maybe MJF does have a new deal, Brian. I don't, I don't know. The point is, though, is that something real that's happening in AEW is happening in front of our eyes. And so because I thought that MJF wasn't going to be there, he actually is there in the first match. He does the job toward low. And then the, the pipe bomb promo that we saw on Wednesday. I just think that the realistic, the, the real issues are manifested in front of our very eyes. I mean, he also did the airplane thing in the ring on Sunday to sort of yeah. like mock that whole story. But like, I'll throw it back at you guys. When do we think that turn was? Like, how real do we think this weekend was? Because in terms of reports, everyone's saying, hey, this is real. This isn't a work. Like, something's going on there. He no-showed this fan event that people paid money to see MJF, which honestly, 
He shouldn't be doing stuff like this. I think he should lean into that heel and shouldn't be doing meet and greets with fans. So when do you guys think that it became to this point? I know there's reports there was a Monday meeting, but was this weekend at work also? Like, have we fallen for this whole thing? And is that really where we're at right now? I, I just can't imagine that they would actually take fans' money only to refund it. That would be going such a step further than they would have to in order to sell it. And until that happened, like, I thought, okay, maybe MJF has some issues with AEW. But I really thought he was just playing it up. Like, he was just being MJF. He was being the best heel in the business. And he was playing it up. You know, oh, hey, I'm going to be free agent in 2024. I've heard Vince McMahon is interested in me. Let's try to get myself the most money. And I, I thought he was kind of playing the game a little bit. It, it became very real, obviously, when he did not show up for his meet and greet. It was obvious. And I don't know how much to, to buy into the, well, then they bought the airplane ticket. Like, that seems a little far. Like, okay, the fact that that got out. Oh, there's an airplane ticket with his name on it. Oh, but then he didn't use it. Like, that seems to me, like, just okay, you're trying to give me too many details right now. So now this is kind of becoming a work. But um, I, I think that it was a legitimate issue that caused him not to go uh, to the Fan Fest on Saturday night. I mean, that's profession- That's unprofessional. Now, that is unprofessional. Like, yeah. Gabe, Gabe, you're right. Here's where you're right. You're right when you say, if you're trying to play out this storyline – are you using us as fans, as your pawns? Like, oh, well, we're going to play this story where you don't show up at the fan fest. Well, that's bullshit. You, you can't do that to the fan. The paying fan that wants to see you, they want to be insulted, right? <laughs> they, want, they want your autograph and they want to be insulted. And so you have to be there and show up for that. That's a big event in Las Vegas. And so if that was part of the story too, that's not right. Yeah, I get what you're saying there. I mean, AEW has since removed him from the website. They've removed the merch and stuff. But, like, I think the fact that we know so much, and he's alluded to it. Like, he's talked about Cody on air since Cody's left. Like, he's talked about 2024. So the fact that he's been alluding to it for this long, like, it's all sort of played into that. And I know a lot of people, even the reaction Sunday, like, after that match, after the 10 power bombs, like, all right, we're not going to see him for a while. And then all of a sudden, yes, say, hey, he's on TV. I think that was going to be the booking regardless. I think that's how they were going to do that match to sort of get Wardlow that moment. But where we're at now, like, at some point, it stopped being real. Like, at some point, it's like, okay, this is the storyline. This is where we're going. And I have a hard time believing that it was as late as Monday. Like, I think there had to be something this weekend that where this was all leading up to last night. I mean, again, I just think back to the CM Punk situation where the situation was real. He signed an extension to get him through that money in the bank and then signed another extension that actually got him his WWE championship win over John Cena. My guess is that there's some understandings, but I, I got to believe that there's some still very real issues that Max Friedman has with AEW. Like, I still think that there are some real things that him and Tony Khan need to work out in order for this to continue past this amazing promo. And because there's going to have to be trust. And I think in order for this, Whatever this angle turns out to be, which I'm curious now, like I have no idea where you go from him yelling, calling Tony a bleeping mark and yelling, hey, fire me. Like, I don't know where you go from that. And I'm interested to see. But in order for it to be compelling, there's going to have to be some trust between the two sides. So having to sleep on it uh, yesterday, Brian made up made a great point in yesterday's show. You go to the archives and check it out on Good Karma Wrestling on our podcast. Brian made the great point. He says, Brian said, well, where do you go from here? Like, you're not going to get Tony Khan versus MJF. Ultimately, you kind of are because it's the office against sure. MJF. But in, in, in wrestling's past, 
what has it been? It has been Mr. McMahon against Stone Cold Steve Austin. It was Ric Flair or Roddy Piper against Eric Bischoff. Right. And, and and actually, in those cases, the promoters actually got in the ring and wrestled. As a matter of fact, Vince wrestling Stone Cold Steve Austin actually saved the WWE because we come to find out McMahon was the greatest heel in the company and, and actually still is. So <laughs> so how does this work? Right. So, Gabe, how does this work? Because if if MJF is going to be interrupting matches and saying, hey, I'm going to do everything you can to fire me. So what is Tony going to do about it? He's not going to get in the ring. He's not, I mean, he's not that much of a mark that he's going to get in the ring. How does it, how do you battle the office when the office can't fight back? Yeah, I don't know. Because in the situations that you mentioned, the, the office is the heel, right? right? Like MJF going to be the face here? Are fans actually going to boo? And, and I know there are plenty of AEW fans that have issues with Tony Khan, but for the most part, he's revered. He's revered by the fan base. They don't want to boo him. And he doesn't have the equity where, you know, like what now when Vince McMahon comes out, like he gets cheered, you know, he's going to yeah. get cheered when he comes out. And then when he does some heelish stuff, the way he did at WrestleMania fans boo out of respect. Like, okay, we see what you're doing. And we're going to boo you because we have to like, Tony Khan doesn't have that built up. Like he doesn't have that equity built up with his fan base. So I, is MJF still going to be the heel? Is Tony Khan the face? Like, are are they both wrong? Like, I, I just, I'm fascinated to see how this turns out because there's just a number of different ways that they can go. I think you have to lean into the heel. Like MJF is a heel. Like, I don't think you try and get away from that. The way I map it out, like forbidden door, he's interrupting the main event. We don't get a finish in punk and Tanahashi. And then labor day, Jay hood, you're going to be in the building. I assume all out MJF leaves with that world title and leaves the company. We fi- we just follow the CM punk path, do it that way where Punk tries to fight for Tony. He tries to represent AEW and be that good guy, that good worker, and MJF steals the title. He wins the match. He walks off with the world title and basically holds it hostage for a few months. Lean into him being a heel. Don't get away from it. You know what? That would actually complete complete the loop of uh, Hangman Adam Page warning everybody that CM Punk would ruin AEW. There you go. So another good detail. I like that angle. I like that a lot. I still will stand by what I said last night in that because of the type of cheers that MJF was getting in Los Angeles, he comes across as a babyface to me. It's the office against a wrestler. And the wrestler is making the points that you keep bringing in all these ex-WWF guys. Uh, if I was a WWE guy, would you like me more? Uh, he says, I don't want to be here anymore. I mean, I think that we can relate to that in some ways where the employee is mad at the employer. How is that MJF still a heel after all of this? Uh, you know, he, he says that um, he hits grand slams on a weekly basis. I mean, all the things he said were true. He talked about minute by minute ratings. I guess he was number one uh, last night, uh, but he said he was number two overall, right? Yeah. So, I mean, so, I mean, all the things sound like a baby, like a, a character baby face to me, a badass. Look at Steve Austin. I'm not saying that MJF is Steve Austin, but here's a guy here that actually didn't change. He still was the same, uh, you know, negative guy and a badass and wrestled like a heel, even though he's cheers a babyface. I don't know. It just seemed like a babyface turn to me yesterday. I mean, it was such an interesting way that he was perceived. Like the, the roller coaster of the fans <laughs> last night in Los Angeles. Like he comes out, he gets booed. Like at the beginning, he's getting the shut the bleep up chant from the crowd, but then they start to cheer him to the point where he notes it in the promo, 
tells him, hey, you're not always cheering me. But by the end, like everybody was eating it up. Everybody was absolutely all in. It seemed like in that in the building on the MJF promo. I just feel you you can't go away from him being a heel. Like that's just who he is. And even like I agree with it. Like a lot of what he's saying is true. But from a fan standpoint, like we're still cheering Adam Cole. You're cheering, you know, Keith Lee. Chris, I'm trying to think of the other guys, the Hardys. Like those guys are still gonna get cheered. So yes, they deserve money. They're gonna get paid. MJF deserves every dollar that he wants. Like, I hope we never see him in a WWE ring because that edge will not be the same. I know everyone likes to compare him to The Miz, and The Miz is a Hall of Famer, but he's not MJF. So, like, I want to continue to see this and continue to lean in, and I'm intrigued. Like, I don't think we see him for a couple weeks on TV, but I want to see him every week, and that's just, you know, where we're going with this. Well, you mentioned the Hardys. I'm not I'm, I'm not cheering Jeff Hardy. I'm booing <laughs> him like the last horse in the race. That's what I'm laughing at at our horse race. I'm booing him because he's got one leg. You know what happens when a what you know what happens when a when a horse only has one leg. You know what you do with him, right? Yeah, we might be getting to that point with old Jeff. <laughs> you don't even feel bad for Jeff, just a little bit, like just a little bit. No, like he put on no, a really yeah. good match with Darby. I mean, no. it, it, look, it is his own fault. Like I'm not denying that. Like we talked yeah. about that when he had the match with Darby Allen. Like. Dude, why are you going this hard? You are so old. You have gone through so many injuries. You don't have to go this hard against Darby Allen, but clearly he wanted to, and he just hasn't been the same since then. <laughs> well, I tell you what, was loose. that's all it was. It was a loose boot. He's good to go. <laughs> yeah, I, who knows? Um, so we're going to talk more about Double or Nothing. We're going to talk more about AEW coming up in just a little bit. But right yes. now, we need to hit number one, Brian, of our three oh. count. That's right. Hell in a cell this week. And guys, we figured this week we'd bring a little bit of an expert from our ESPN New York family and the WWE family. Peter yes. Rosenberg joining us now. Yes. Hell in a cell this Sunday. Hey, Welcome to the show, yes. Peter. Yes. Hey, guys. How, how are you? Very happy to be here. Very excited to uh, head out to Chicago, eat some pizza, and see some people get beat up. There you oh, go. Is that in WWE or outside the arena? Well, it, uh, listen, I... <laughs> Let me not speak on on what Chicago's been like recently. I, I hope it's just at the Allstate Arena, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking. Hell in a Cell is a fun one, and I think that we have a I think that we have a really nice story going with Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. So I'm very curious to see what they do. Well, so let's go ahead and start there. Is that the match you're looking forward to the most of the ones that have been announced so far? Right now, six matches on the card. Um. Yeah, I would say that's my number one. It's going to be. It'll be interesting to see if they add to some, add tomorrow night um, because it does feel a little bit it does feel a little bit light. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's the match, and it's interesting because I didn't think that I would be that excited for a third Cody and Seth match. I sort of felt like you know seems like that story's been told, but I got to tell you, you know, I don't know if they were um, inspired by MJF over the weekend, but the way that they you know. The, the way that they told the story on Monday, really getting into sort of the AEW Cody story a bit more, that that really built the intrigue. And it's interesting, too, because it's hard to picture Cody losing this match. I mean, the way Cody's been getting treated, you would have to think Cody rolls here. But, man, three straight losses for the architect is pretty crazy, too. So, so Peter, we talked about this last week on Good Karma Wrestling. Roman Reigns is not on this, uh, this pay-per-view, this premium live event. And we were trying to figure out who is the second most important talent on the WWE roster after Roman. Do you have an answer to that? Who is the second most on. important wrestler to the, to the company? 
It's a, it's a fantastic question. Um, I believe the answer is maybe a tie, uh, which is a bit of a cop out. So uh, let me, let me, the first name that popped in my mind was Cody Rhodes. Um, right. Which is, yeah, which ooh. is, which is pretty incredible to think about um, relative to where he was when he originally left many years ago. That's insane. And then I would say the other one that is very important to this company now and long-term is Bianca Belair. I think those are two very, very important talents right now. I think Bianca's a good one. We agree with Cody. Like, how important is a match like this on Sunday for Bianca against Becky, against Asuka, to sort of get that chance to really shine? Obviously, she's had those moments, but now maybe we see a continuous run as champ. That, that's what I want to see here. I mean, I, I really don't know what going back to Becky or Asuka would do right now. I think you do a lot more to just continue to build – Bianca and one thing I've been saying on my podcast cheap heat ad nauseum is I'm ready for Bianca to kind of stop twisting the hair and having fun and I want to see her kick some ass you know what I mean I want to see Bianca go to work because the, the she's an Bianca's an amazing human being in and out of the ring as a talent though she's such a physical she's such a physically imposing and amazing talent I sort of feel like the character sometimes is made to be a little too happy-go-lucky like I would, I would, I want to, she may be the best athlete in the company. And while I know she should be having fun, I do want to see her kick ass and she's going to get an opportunity to do so. Um, the Oscar return, I, I feel like the Oscar Becky thing. I haven't quite, I, yes, there's a story and there's a history with the money in the bank, but to me, it all feels sort of shoehorned in there. I, I just want to see Bianca Belair roll. So you mentioned how the card seems a little light. But I don't mind that. I guess coming off of WrestleMania Backlash, when there were oh, well, because there were only six matches on that card, and it gave everything a chance to breathe. Like everybody who was on that card really got an opportunity to shine in the ring. And I, I know they're going to add; uh, they have to add a couple matches tomorrow night, just because right now all six matches are Raw matches. But I don't mind if if the card's a little light because if Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes go a while, I'm cool with that. If Bianca Belair. Becky Lynch, Asuka goes a half hour. Yeah, sign me up for that because I know that's going to be wildly entertaining. That's that's a really great take, and I thought you were going to go somewhere else. I thought you were going to say you appreciate the short card, especially coming out of Double or Nothing. Um, <laughs> yes, that that as well. That was. I, I I still haven't finished the main event, um, but th that's a really good point. And I honestly didn't realize until you said it. I probably should pull this together before the kickoff show on Sunday. I didn't even realize that these were all raw matches. You're right. It's all six. That's that's incredibly unique. You know, we're not living in the split pay-per-view era anymore, premium live event era. So you have to imagine we'll get something from SmackDown. But I agree with you. And there and there are a couple of other sleepers. You know, this when you look at this card from a money standpoint and big names, it's not the best pay-per-view of all time. That is for sure. No one's confusing this with WrestleMania three. Um, but when you talk about wrestling matches, I think theory. I think theory and Mustafa Ali has a chance to be special, um, it, it, especially for Mustafa, who's just coming back and having the match in Chicago. I love that, and I got to tell you, I, I really have come to appreciate the work that KO has done to make this Ezekiel thing mean something a little bit, you know. And and so these good. are two guys who can go. So I, I'm listen. I don't think you're trying to use those matches to sell pay-per-views, but I do think that, to your point, when it comes to just sitting back and watching the show, 
I think we're going to have a good entertaining show. So, Peter, I love factions. I think all of us as wrestling fans love factions over the years, the Horsemen, the Freebirds, uh, you know, the Shield. It goes on and on over the years. And Judgment Day is a faction in themselves with Edge and Rhea Ripley and Priest. If there's a fourth member that that you think kind of needs, kind not necessarily a push, but as much as it is just trying to be part of something special, someone that's kind of been lingering, who would be a good fourth member for the Judgment Day? That's a fantastic question as well. Um, because my my biggest thought that I've been having heading into this match, this is my cop out with not having an answer. Um, it is, radio pro. Come on, Peter. Come on, Peter. Come on. <laughs> man. Um, why don't you? You know what? Here, I'll give another cop out. You guys tell me yours, which comes to mind. I'll tell you my thoughts on that because I haven't considered a fourth member right now. Okay. Well, I, I'm going to go with the return to the ring for Corey Graves. Oh, well, oh. Okay. I forgot that was speculated. I forgot that that a commentator might join. Um, and sorry to disappoint anyone. I haven't had no conversations yeah, with Edge <laughs> about about joining the Judgment Day. Uh, Graves would be amazing. You know, I can tell you guys. I think from my relationship with Graves, and I don't want to talk out of school, but I think he's been pretty straightforward about it. I, I think he's ready to go. You know, and kind of chomping at the bit. So that would be really interesting and cool but my bigger concern for this faction this weekend is i don't love the story that's been told with finn and live etc like it's i the second that the Rhea joined the judgment day i sort of wanted her to get away from live i just it didn't feel like it fit anymore and what makes a faction fun is when it wars against another faction i like What's the common thread of these three besides that they happen to be matched up with the Judgment Day? So I want to see where we go after this. Who's that next faction who steps up to make this thing compelling? Another thing I'll throw at you, just you know, take it outside the ring. What is your go-to? Like, How do you watch the show? You do the pre-show, you're right there basically in the crowd. How do you take in the show on a Sunday or a Saturday whenever they have the shows now? So, so generally speaking, I will sort of mill around for the first – couple of matches now listen the first few years i was there i would stay the entire night i would go in and out from backstage to the floor and just watch i just did not want to miss a minute in person i have now finally like accepted and believed that i work there now so i try to finish up say my goodbyes and go back to the hotel and then watch the pay-per-view in my room um which is a, a better way for me because i got to take it in for my podcast so right. if i don't watch it when I'm, when you're backstage you're talking to people you're missing matches it's just not the same experience now this weekend is particularly complex because i, I don't know if you saw they announced this week these new a and e wwe shows uh yeah. coming out in a couple weeks and we go to work on them next week so i have to actually go straight from all state to the airport um which is also troubling because I'm a Celtics fan and they tip off at nine o'clock on Sunday night. <laughs> yeah. so that's that's my plan for it. So this is the first time ever. I've never left the night of the pay-per-view before. I usually always stick around and, and watch, but I'm going to be heading back to the East Coast after. NBA, what's that? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Steph, damn Cur it. Steph Curry well, looks like he weighs nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and it 
With Pat McAfee, I think he's done a tremendous job in the SmackDown booth, obviously had a great match at WrestleMania. What do you think he's done for WWE? Because his, it, it, the regular show he does is so popular as well. What do you think he's done for the WWE in terms of trying to extend their reach a little bit more? Uh, listen, Pat is what he's done has been nothing short of awesome. Like I'm just impressed by him in general. Like I, I try to just learn. This is a guy who's like seven years younger than me who has like mastered so many things. It's like he has a cheat code to the world. You know what I mean? Like I, I, that's my thing with Pat. I'm always trying to be like, I just pick his brain. Like, how did you do this? Because recently I jumped on one of Pat's uh, live broadcasts when he was trying to um, get as many concurrence as possible. They had like, 70,000 people concurrently watching a sports talk show in the middle of a weekday. Like yeah. he's, he's doing as a guy who's been in broadcasting a long time and putting out content in a lot of different ways for a long time. That is a astounding feat. So I do think, I think, I think more than anything, what Pat's bringing is cool to the product because, you know, Pat McAfee is a highly regarded personality by most everyone. Like, his Q score, I'm guessing, would be very high. Like, I don't think many people hate Pat McAfee. I think they, I think if they're familiar with Pat, they have a fond feeling towards him, and he's only made that better with the level of passion he brings every week. And then, of course, he knocked everyone's socks off with that match. It was completely like, like I remember Sam Roberts and I joked when you know when Pat first started, we were like, wow, well. Pat, this Pat McAfee fellow is certainly getting treated differently on the kickoff shows than this than we are. This seems like a different thing altogether. And when I saw him wrestle at WrestleMania, I went, "Oh yeah, he's a different thing altogether. Yeah. <laughs> he should he should be treated differently." That was pretty damn good. Um, so yeah, he he brings a lot to the table. So Peter, I've always wanted to ask you about. Uh, you becoming a podcaster. I mean, we don't have good karma wrestling if it wasn't for you and Shoemaker and Colt Cabana because someone had to have the litmus test. Someone had to try this first. And so you're one of the OGs when it comes to podcasting and wrestling. So how much fun are you having? I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. How much fun are you having on a daily basis, especially now being with the WWE because you're living the dream that we'd all love to have? Yeah, I, I'm I'm having a ball right now. Like this is, listen, this is the happiest professionally uh, maybe I've ever been. And, you know, the podcast has been a labor of love for a long time. Um, and then we eventually, you know, just six months ago, signed with The Ringer. Um, and that was a a really awesome situation because when it was at ESPN, while it was great that I had the logo put on it, as you guys all well know, wrestling is not a huge priority at, at ESPN. And that's actually and it's actually gotten less less so over the last few years they had a period when coach was working there that they were doing a lot of stuff but that has dwindled um and funny story that's the reason i ended up at wwe was because i was hanging with coach so shouts to jonathan coachman um but it, it's been a lot of fun you know um it wasn't something i anticipated necessarily doing for this long like, i don't think i knew when we started that it would become such a real rock solid part of my career but it's funny i mean Cheap Heat is one of the most, it feels like from, um, you know, we all, when we do broadcasting or podcasting, like you, you try to feel impact based on emails or tweets or whatever, all these stupid social media metrics we have. Um, Cheap Heat, I get more contact on Cheap Heat than anything else that I do. You know, it is the most interactive thing. And I think what I'm most proud of about it is, you know, we, we, we had this gimmick where 
when I stopped working briefly with the WWE, I had some, I had some real life stuff that had happened. I couldn't travel anymore. And before I know it, I look up, I'm not working at WWE anymore. And I was bummed out about it. Um, and we just, we tried to find a way to spice up the podcast. So we started calling it the shoot era of the podcast where it's like, now that I'm not with them, I'm going to say everything I never said before. Classic work. Nothing changed about the show. I always gave my opinions and I continue to give my opinions, but <laughs> it sounded good because I was no longer with the company. And I'm very proud of the fact that now that I, I am back with the company, we still are critical. Like I, I, I'm, I'm not unkind. I'm not mean to talent, obviously, or, or stupid and insulting of, of the WWE, but we get it. I, I speak openly about the product, what I like, what I don't like. We, we do, we cover AEW. We covered most of our show this week was double or nothing. Um, we're, we're, we still do an honest, straightforward podcast. Um, and I'm very proud of that and having a good time. Who is the guy or girl that you interacted with that you were amazed they listened to, whether it be Cheap Heat or ESPN New York or any of the hip-hop stuff, where you had to step back like, wait, you listen to me? Like, I don't understand. Like, I'm a fan of you. Who's the one person you've ever had that experience with? Um, well, I'll just – because it's popping up in my head because of uh, it's wrestling, um, I remember the first time I met Damian Priest. I, like, saw him looking at me. And he came over to me and was like, yo, bro, I'm from the Bronx. I'm a big fan. And I was like, oh, I didn't even, I didn't know Damian Priest was from the Bronx. <laughs> so, so I'm like, oh, wow, that's great. Um, you know, I, I had a, a similar cool moment. We were in I was in New York and and Bianca Montez pulled me aside and we're like, hey, can we get a picture like in New York? And I was like, I forget. Like, these are young. These are young people. So as they've been growing up, I've been putting out content that entire time you know like they've if they ever if you ever watched any hip-hop interviews with regularity you probably saw my stupid face at some point talking to your favorite artist right so anytime that happens it, it tickles me um because like i said i really am just an every fan who gets to be there and and cover this thing and have some fun so when anyone knows anything that i do i'm like in awe of it because you know that i adore the world of professional wrestling so yeah it, it always feels great Peter, we certainly appreciate the time. Really enjoy your insight. Can't wait to see you on our television screens Sunday for Hell in a Cell. Again, appreciate the time. Thanks for jumping on GKW, man. Anytime. Happy to do it, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, Peter. Peace, guys. Again, you can check him out, uh, Cheap Heat. Again, as as you mentioned, Jay Hood, like that is like the OG of wrestling podcasts. And um, just cool to have Peter on and give his insight. But let's go ahead and... Do you guys have any final thoughts on Hell in a Cell coming up? Uh, what are you looking forward to? What are you not looking forward to? Uh, I'm looking forward to a longer card uh, because uh, from SmackDown on Friday, there's got to be some additions here. Um, see, it's what I was telling you last night, Gabe. This is when you take the audience for granted. This is a, a big city, Chicago. You bring Hell in a Cell here, and there's no World Heavyweight Champion. I'm not getting off that point. Like, Roman's not part of this, and that's not right. And we've also documented on the show that the U.S. or the Intercontinental Champion has to be able to be the next guy in line, at least ideally the next guy in line, to be able to even sniff around Roman Reigns and his empire. And you know that that is not by any stretch theory. 
you know that's not, right? I mean, he's a young talent that's going to have a good match against Mustafa Ali. But the point is, though, is that uh, for Roman not to be on this card, it it looks as if a a former AEW guy and Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins probably be the main event of this, which is amazing because that's not what I expected. I mean, Cody is the face of the franchise right now. I mean, yeah, the other titles, at least the U.S. titles there. The IC title still not anywhere to be seen with Pop Quiz. Who's the IC champ, guys? Ricochet. <laughs> Look at that. See, oh. you did your homework. <laughs> but yeah, like, I knew nothing- you were going to ask it. Like, I was sitting there going, I really hope Ryan doesn't ask this. I really hope Ryan doesn't ask this. I'm racking my brain. Couldn't come up with it. Wait, Ricochet, Ryan asked two weeks IC ago. Champ. That's the reason yeah. why I remember because he asked two weeks ago. We were sitting there in silence on an audio medium trying to figure out, like, uh, uh, is, and I, what did I say? I said something like, that dude from. Kentucky. I believe you called them like the light skinned brother from Kentucky, is what you yeah, called him. I exactly. believe. <laughs> <laughs> that was like that light skinned dude from uh, Ricochet. That's it. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they cut out video packages and we get a two hour Sunday night. Like, that will make me happy on Sunday. Otherwise, I think this is a watch Monday morning and catch the highlights. Yeah, again, uh, I think I think Seth and, and Cody are going to deliver, but I like what they did on Monday. Like yeah. that, that Seth dug into the AEW stuff because that makes it again a little bit more real. Because it is a legitimate question, like, oh, you're the guy who like three years ago weekend was smashing a fake throne at the pay-per-view of the company you just started. Now you want to come back here? Like that makes it feel more real. That being said, probably should have been brought up a little bit earlier. And I mean, if Cody loses this match, like, are we going to get a fourth one? Or are we just going to get four straight months of Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins? Because we don't know what to do with either one of them. So we're just going to keep matching them together. Um, I- I've got a feeling Sunday is going to be fun. We're going to watch the card. It'll be fun. But ultimately inconsequential. But you know what? Gabe is right. Gabe is right. Because one of the hallmarks of this show that I'm always going to say is, we can look at the card and we can say it's not so good. But once it's in the ring, Leave it up to the men and women to get it sure. over. It's 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 going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be a fine show because once you give it, give Seth and and uh, Cody and Bianca and and Becky and and Oscar and all. Once you get them in the ring, they are going to entertain us. So it's going to be. It's just the build. It's almost like at some point there's sometimes I figure, should I go even watch Raw and SmackDown and just wait for the for the pay per views? Seriously, because yeah. the builds are so bad or so inconsequential, it's kind of like, I should just wait for the live premium events to be on my TV. Yeah, well, they're going to catch you up with the video recap anyway, so you'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. I think those two matches will be great, but I agree with Gabe. Like, I think Cody loses, and then we get a fourth one, say, Money in the Bank qualifier or something. Like, they just can't think of anything different. Like, it, it's frustrating to watch. All right, guys, we've spent a lot of time on Hell in a Cell. Let's get to now number two. This past Sunday, speaking of premium live events, Double or Nothing took place from Las Vegas. We can't be all positive. So what was your biggest gripe from Double or Nothing on Sunday? Uh, I'm with Rosenberg. It was way too damn long. And this has been my complaint of the pay-per-views for AEW. Like, CM Punk winning the world championship, just like before him, Hangman Adam Page winning the championship, is such a big moment. Like, it was a big moment for Hangman, big moment for Punk. And the crowd is just gassed. Like they've been sitting there for four and a half hours. They had to go through some matches that definitely did not belong on a pay-per-view card. But Tony was worried about going up against a game seven. So he wanted to make sure that that the main event was on well after that. It, 
it's just too long. And I'm running out of steam. I, I've been at those shows. I've been to the one all out in Chicago. Like I've been to those shows where I'm like, man, I have no idea where I'm going to get the energy to be excited for this uh, main event. And I feel that's what happened with, with Hangman and Punk on, on Sunday night as well, where it was just so long. The crowd was gassed. It felt like they wanted to be in it, but they just had nothing left to give as a fan. Um, totally disagree. Um, I, I enjoyed every every bit of it. There were some matches, and I was talking about the match. I didn't think it was very good. But, guys, when we previewed this, we knew that it, that there were going to be time for each and, each and every one of these matches. So, I mean, I, we knew it was going to be close to, you know, four and a half hours. So that's not a surprise. I think a couple of those matches should have been in the pre-show instead of one match. But either way, though, we knew it was going to be long, and these matches get time. And, again, if you're AEW, you want to uh, separate yourself from the WWE, this is how you do it. You put on matches, and I, there was not a D-plus match on this show. Everything was a C and above. The, the match I didn't understand was Jade Cargill against Anna Jay. I mean, they needed more. You talk about two women that need time in the ring together to try to work out some of the issues. It just wasn't good. It was not good enough for me. This is not a shot at Jade Cargill as much as it is. You got to find better opponents for her. I mean, she's a monster. You can't tell me that Anna Jay actually had a chance against Jade Cargill for that TBS championship. I mean, what happened in the afterbirth was fine because now you got Athena, you got Stokely Hathaway, so you, inter you introduced them. But that could have been the pre-show. It could have been, so, but but then but then Twitter is would be mad that you put Jade in the pre-show. So uh, to me, I had no problem with it. I just think that you could have stacked a couple of matches in the pre-show, and then maybe that would lessen the time. But I was uh, fully invested, especially knowing I had the day off the next day. The, the TBS Championship match, it did feel like it was just jammed in there. But I think that's Tony trying to be anti WWE. We just talked about how. IC championship not defended. Yes, we're going to have the U.S. championship, but neither one of the, the heavyweight championships. We don't know about the tag championships yet. Uh, the women's tag team champion, SmackDown. Like, they only have these four pay-per-views, and they want to make sure that their champions and championships are being represented. So I think that they kind of went, oh, man, we don't have something for Jade. All right, Anna Jay, go for it. So it felt jammed in there, but I, I understand why, because they want to make sure that their champions are represented when they only have four of these pay-per-views a year. Yeah. And to that point, like I agree with Gabe. I think this was the first show where I remember it feeling too long because I think the point of like, Oh, the crowd's too tired. The good shows, like, you know, going back to the last one, I was at revolution in Orlando when it's good, when every match is a plus, it doesn't matter if the crowd's tired, they're into it. But Sunday had some of those down matches. I agree. The Jade match was there. O'Reilly and Darby was really good, but that didn't need to be there on Sunday. The, the Paige Van Zandt stuff, like, cool, like, you get her debut, that didn't really need to be there. So this was the first time that it sort of felt like too long of a show to me. To me, though, the biggest gripe is in the women's division also, I don't think Britt needed to win that cup. I get what they were going for with the her and Cole and having them stand next to each other. But some of these people, the Ruby Soho's of the world, the Chris Statlander's of the world, you build them up, you build them up, you build them up. And then they lose the big match. And eventually it gets to the point where it's like, okay, like I don't need to take them serious anymore. Britt is a star. She is the star of the women's division. Ruby deserved that win. I thought Tony Storm should have won in the semis, but Ruby deserved that win. I don't care that she got it back last night. She should have won on Sunday to have that moment. Yeah, because Dude. the lack of depth continues to stand out in that division. And with the women, yeah, you have to still you still have to establish Ruby Soho, even though she had you know, the, the shocking entrance in, in Chicago at All Out in 
in, you know, the, the women's uh, casino battle Royale, you know, there, you still have to build those stars up and yeah, Brit doesn't need it. Like Brit is the one established star that you have. So somebody going over her. Yeah. It's always going to be a big deal. You know, it's funny about that. The juxtaposition of that is that on rampage, people wanted Statlander over Riho and uh, over um, Soho. Soho. Yeah. And Soho got booed out of the building. They did not want, because they wanted the AEW original in Statlander to win that match. And Soho was like, I get it, I get it. And she just kept getting booed. And then she's in the match with Britt. And you think, and I'll let you make the point, Gabe. You make the point. Why should have, uh, why should Soho win that match? Because why? Well, because she, I mean, again, she hasn't won anything big yet. Like, she needs no, to no. be established. No, you make the best It happened point. before the match, yeah. Oh, why? yeah. Oh, God, man. <laughs> Forgot all about that. Yeah, you had Ranson. Ranson played into the spot. I completely forgot. Ranson played her to the ring. You pay the money for Ranson? What are you doing? You pay the money for Ranson. Can you imagine WWE paying for Motorhead to play Triple H to the ring and having the King of Kings lose? No, ain't going to happen. You paid for Ranson. Look out, the hat's off. <laughs> that, that is off. He's angry because <laughs> I want you to make that point because you're the first in our group to make that point. I was like, yeah, that's actually a good point. You paid for Ranson and she lost. That's weird. <laughs> it's, 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 I mean, come on. This is this is pro wrestling 101. Figure it out, Tony. Maybe you are the mark that MJF calls you. Come on. <laughs> and I also was disappointed while you were away. Um, Brian asked me the match I'm looking forward to that I thought would be a sleeper. And I thought it'd be the Young Bucks and the Hardys. I didn't know that Jeff Hardy was so banged up. It was brutal. Jeff Jeff Hardy's not 100%. He's not healthy. And he kind of messed up that match. Now, I got better toward the end of it. But at the beginning, remember he was laying on his side? Yeah. To the doctor. I'm like, is he okay? He was, like, in the ring. He wasn't even on the apron. Like, at that point, I was like, okay, well, Jeff's done with this match. Like, it's Matt versus the Bucks the rest of the way. I was shocked he somehow rallied and got some stuff in at the end. But, yeah, that was a rough watch. He's hurt. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is why he didn't wrestle last night. And my guess is we don't. There's no story of significance for the Hardys right now. So, I don't, I don't think you need to see Jeff. He can have some time. I mean, the Hardys are the Hardys. Like, you can heat them up cool them down as much as you'd like. People are still going to pop when they hear that music and they see Jeff, you know, gyrating and, and Matt coming out doing his delete thing. People are going to eat that up whenever they get it. But I think we're also starting to understand that maybe we're going to be seeing it less because Jeff has taken a lot of risks over his career and it's he, he's paid the price with his body. He's going to have to take some time off. Yeah, I just, I, you know, for me, guys, because it was Memorial Day the next day and we went through the card, I'm like, you know what? You really can't shorten any of these matches. You knew they were going to be 10 minutes plus. Even, But I just thought that the Jade Cargill match was was unnecessary. And by the way, I thought that the actual definition of a buy-in is it's on YouTube and you want – or it's on the pay-per-view and you want to kind of have people buy into the pay-per-view, put on something special. Smart mark in your, in your buy-in. Is that the reason why? Yep, I'm clicking. You got Hookhausen. Yep. You I got want Hookhausen. Hookhausen. Come on. Hookhausen's the hottest thing in pro wrestling, yes. baby. Future tag champs right there. Like, that's the face of the company, Hookhausen. Poor Tony Nese. <laughs> I think that's a good takeaway. That's a very good takeaway. Poor Tony Nese. He Poor had bastard. to get sacrificed. Wow. <laughs> um, what was your favorite part? 
I guess we asked the negative part. We'll just quickly go around. What was your favorite part of Double or Nothing? Brian? I mean, I think the end of the show. Like, I, we talked about it last week. Like, I think Punk deserves to be the champion. Like, no offense to Hangman, but it just wasn't doing it for me. Punk is a champion 11 years after the fact. Like, that was it for me. It was a perfect way to end the night. Yeah, Punk, punk ending on top was fantastic. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. And I'll tell you what. Well, you said it didn't need to be on the, the pay-per-view. I think that AEW is using Paige Van Zandt the right way. They're easing her in. I think she's able to showcase, hey, she's got something there. Now, is she all the way there? Absolutely not. But I think they were able to kind of, you know, ease her in, and they're going to take their time the way maybe WWE wanted to do with Ronda, kind of did at the beginning with the tag match that she had with Kurt Angle at Mania, and then they kind of threw her to the deep end. I think they're going to bring Paige Van Zandt along, and I think they've got potentially something there. I wish they would have eased her in. She was lost in some at some point. She can't be in the ring alone. She can't be in the ring. I just, I mean, just doing a move and then flexing like the sports entertainment thing. It's just kind of like, yeah, that that wasn't smooth, and it wasn't so it wasn't supposed to be smooth. No one could be like Ronda Rousey on on her debut or Kurt Angle. I get that, but she should never be alone one on one. She needs some help, and she's only been training what a month month or two yeah, so yeah, it's it takes time it takes time i will tell you as a wrestling fan i thought that thunder rose and serena deep had a great a great match great wrestling match right i mean and a lot of it's because of serena deep this is modern day dean malenko this is what she yeah. is right and it's amazing the the metamorphosis of serena deep we saw her in the wwe she got her head shaved we didn't know that she could wrestle like that until we saw her in the Indies, and now she's in AEW. She's a serious person now. She talks about how she took her implants out because uh, the WWE had a certain look for her, and she just wanted to be – she's herself. She's a hell of a wrestler, and I think that her and, and Thunder Rosa put on a hell of a match. I thought it was a fantastic yeah. women's match. Now, listen, now, yeah, you look at the evidence flow of the card, and people might have been quiet. But I think people were appreciating those two and their efforts. So I thought that that was very, very well uh, well done by those two. Yeah, I think they won the crowd all over. I think another cool part, sort of underrated, is the Martha Hart part, which reportedly that's why they went to 1 a.m. Like Tony bought that extra hour, basically, so Martha Hart had that moment. The fact that Owen's getting his flowers, obviously, very after the fact. Like, I think it's pretty cool to be on that, you know, in that environment and see him sort of get those moments. I thought that was a pretty cool Sunday. All right, Brian, let's go ahead and get you number three in the three count. Guys, we talked about CM Punk being the new world champion. We've heard that Tony Khan had the first four world champions planned out with the company. This is the start of the next four. So, guys, who are our next three AEW world champs? He started the show with it, right? Like, MJF has to be one of those three, right? Like he's is he next, to, though? He Does he take it from Punk? I don't know. I mean, oh, man. I mean, MJF's the only one I'm sure about. Like, I could be talked into Brian Danielson um, with BCC. Like, I, I could see that with with Danielson and Punk telling some great stories. Um, man, but MJF's the only one I'm I'm for sure. Like, you have to get it on him in the next three. Like, I think Jungle Boy's probably a future AEW champ, but he's not one of the next three. Uh no, not yet. Uh, not yet because he's got to bow Christian first. He's got to when that Eventually, turn happens. One day when, when that turn happens in 2024, boy, that's going to be hell to pay for Christian, man. <laughs> is it is it going to take longer than than Julia Hart finally joining House of Black? Is it going to take longer than that? I don't I don't know, man. Pretty close. I, I will say 
my three, my well, first it's going to be MJF or Max Friedman, because that's a different guy. Uh, I will say Chris Jericho gets another shot at being champion, and I believe that Brian Danielson will be champion of this company as well. That's my top three. So I agree with number one. I think MJF is next. He takes it off of Punk. But then, you know, playing out the storyline, you need someone to save the company. You need that big face and that big moment to get the belt back from MJF. I think that's where Eddie Kingston does it. I think you put the title on him for that moment to give him that opportunity to give that ridiculous, you know, blow the roof off the place. So I think he takes it there. And then after him is where I'm sort of up in the air. I think you go to one of the young guys. If it's not MJF, I think Darby eventually needs to get up there, like if he ever breaks away from Sting. But I think one of those younger guys, those you know pillars that aren't MJF, gets it from Eddie eventually, and I, they go well, that, that route. It's Wardlow, 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 though. Yeah. Wardlow, yeah. Wardlow. I, I think especially strike when the iron's hot, I think, here for Wardlow. Sure. Like, I think you have to continue to build him, but you're not going to be able to build him as a monster for, for all that long, right? Like, I mean, it's going to lose some shine eventually. And I think you're going to have to strike and, and make him that established guy who is a former AEW champion at some point. Hey, guys, I said on our Instagram page when that MJF fallout came out, whether or not he was going to be on the show or not, I said, listen, here's how I'd book it. If MJF's not going to show up, I would have put Wardlow in the main event with Hangman Page and CM Punk and put Wardlow over. I would have done it. If yeah. MJF wasn't going to be there, like, you know what, if you're going to blow off the company, I'm elevating Wardlow because who's who's more over than Wardlow? He's got to be in the top three or four of guys that are or wrestlers that are over in AEW. So Wardlow's got to be there. But, Gabe, say your guy. What about your guy being heavyweight yeah. champion? Ray Phoenix? I mean, he's the best wrestler in the world. I mean, he's the best wrestler in the world. Did a another fantastic match. It was, I mean, we're not there yet, but, I mean, the, the triple, the trios match with, uh, I mean, it was the match of the night. It was the match yep. of the night. And, and I am really looking forward, and I don't say this very often because I don't watch Rampage live all that often. I ain't going to miss it tomorrow night. You kidding me? Young Bucks yeah. versus the Lucha Bros? No, sign me up. I have seen those two tag teams do things I never thought were possible in a wrestling ring, and I'm going to watch it because, again, Ray Phoenix, best wrestler in the world. I mean, they're cowards, so they're never going to put the championship on him. But, you know, they probably should. I mean, I mean if, if they want to get over a million, that's what they need to do. <laughs> a, a couple of names thrown out in the chat that we haven't mentioned. A returning Kenny Omega and a Keith Lee. Um, isn't a Keith Lee a tag team wrestler now with Swerve? I like I that combination. <laughs> yeah, they're I mean, good. Swerve in your glory is a lot of fun, but yeah, I, yeah. Keith Lee can become a singles wrestler like that, you know, yeah. and I, I would never complain about it. Because Keith Lee is, again, he's limitless. He's awesome to watch. I just don't, yeah. the way they booked him, I don't see it. Okay. Yeah, but the, uh, but here's what you, and so it's funny. We mentioned about eight, nine names. So we're not going to mention Sammy Guevara, huh? Mm. What's wrong with him? That, that, Ty Conti aside, you know he's like one of their young pillars. Yeah. Right? You know he's yeah. one of their guys for the future. I mean, I, I just, yeah, I, right now I don't like his character. I liked his character more when he was that badass baby face that was walking away from the inner circle. It was like, hey, you guys figure your stuff out. I'm going to keep on winning my TNT championships. I'm going to do my thing. Like, I like that character so much more than the smarmy heel he's become. I mean, another one, you know, you know Gabe, you've talked about him a lot, Joe. 
Like I know he's got a belt right now and he lost on Sunday, but he's someone that should be in the title picture. What about Mox? Mox is, I mean, people love Mox. He gets over, but I mean, I think he's number two right now in the rankings behind Wardlow, or maybe he's number four. They're number two tag team. I, I apologize. BCC is the number two tag team. How many years, how many good years does he have left? He's bleeding every night. <laughs> like it's, I mean, poor Renee. I so, <laughs> poor Renee. I mean, I, I mean, I think all three of us could have called Renee before the marriage and say, you know, you're marrying a lunatic, right? I mean, I think she knew, but but at the same time, he wasn't he wasn't allowed to do this when he was in WWE. He wasn't allowed to just bleed right. profusely every time we saw him on our television screen. Oh, I will man. say it's pretty fun that we can mention, you know, we're like 10 deep. We can keep going about guys that could be legit world title contenders, especially when we talk about the other company where we might struggle to get to three. So I think that sort of speaks to AEW, the way they're developing everyone. Like, yes, it's a crowded roster, but everyone is still a legit contender right now, which is pretty cool. All right. I gave my match of the past week, again, biased. I went with the trios match featuring House of Black and uh, Death Triangle. Um what did you guys think was the match of the past week? Your favorite match from this past week? I second that one. I also think we need trios titles. Like, I know that match at least had a little bit of storyline. It's been a big build, I think, mainly because of injuries. But come on, give me trios titles already and just give those guys something to chase for because House of Black delivers every time they're on the card. So let's have them do something else now. Okay, you know, if it wasn't for the, uh, the MJF promo, we probably would have opened the show talking about Seth Rollins shooting on Cody Rhodes on Raw. We did sure. see that, right? I mean, he was shooting on AEW, talking about your little friends trying to take over, <laughs> and you try to smash the throne. Out. And that, you know what? That was pretty good. That was not a, that's not a bad promo. And then MJF took the mic and just blew that away. So that was an interesting promo. Um, I would say the match of the week. I hate to just go to double or nothing, but I really liked, as I mentioned before, the women's match the AEW championship, if it's going to be something from Dynamite, it would have been uh, the women as well uh, sure. with Ruby oh, Soho, so Tony good. Storm, I guess Jamie team Hader and, so and, good. and a DMD. Yeah, so I think those are definitely uh, my choices, unless there's something on the impact I forgot. <laughs> what about yeah. Anarchy in the Arena? Did that do it for you? Oh, I love that. Oh, I yeah. love that match. Absolutely. Huge... If you're going to do it, if you're going to do it, do it like that. <laughs> Shout out to the way they shot it. Like yep. the way they were able to cut from camera to camera to camera to give you that constant action during that match. It wasn't my favorite match of the weekend, but it was certainly like watching it. I'm going and, and being, you know, in the audio business and understanding how some of the facts, you know, stuff behind the scenes works. I'm going, wow, this is incredibly impressive. The way they're able to just kind of keep up with literally yeah. everything going on all around the arena. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I think the little things like, you know, playing Wild Thing the whole way, like basically ECW style was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I forget who tweeted it, but someone said when Jericho did the heel move unplugging it, he should have put Fozzie on. Like that should have then played the rest of the match, like a Fozzie song, not one that everyone knows. But that, that was pretty fun. Those guys delivered in that match. And now we get blood and guts. I, I love that, that matchup. And it's so right. When the music kept playing, I thought, okay, it's just one version of the song. They played it through. That's enough. And then it picks up again. Then it picks up again. And I'm just like, oh, my God, it's ECW in here. My God, they're playing music while they're fighting. I said, this is really exciting. And then they were all over the arena to see Brian Danielson fighting and not wrestling. And that was that's something different because we haven't seen Brian Danielson like that 
fighting. We, we expect that from Moxley or Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston's going to have the meme for, for, for generations. <laughs> this dude's got a gas can coming down the ramp bleeding. What a great look. That is a warrior right so there, good. man. I don't know if he knows what he's doing, but his promos leading into it too, those are some of the best promos of the week as well. Just yep. him sitting with a, a bottle of Jack Daniels talking about, this is on you, Tony Khan. You made me do this. And I'm just like, this dude is phenomenal. And I don't even know if he understands how good he really is. Is he going to be a future world champion? No. But as far as someone that's a must-watch, Eddie Kingston's right there for me. That's why I give him that world title. Give him that moment. He deserves it. He is so damn good. I mean, he's, I mean again, he's probably got my favorite – my favorite AEW merch shirt of all time when he came out against Miro uh, at All Out. And he had the Redeem D's Nuts shirt. That was, I mean, it's classic. It's fantastic. Like, it's a great, it's a great joke. Timeless joke. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, news and notes, Brian. Are we missing anything? Yeah, a few other time? things on the way out. Uh, Bray Wyatt or Wyndham, whatever you want to call him, tweeting out, patience, it's almost time. And also talking about how he's disappointing and everyone ripping him for being greedy and stuff. So maybe we finally see Bray again? Uh, where? Impact. You're late for it. You better tune it in right now. Like, I don't want you to miss anything here, J-Hood. Like, Impact started a minute ago. Like, he might be making his debut tonight. You put it. You put Bray Wyatt on Impact. You get about a hundred and twenty-six thousand people watching <laughs> on Access TV. <laughs> uh, speaking of Morrissey uh, of Impact, W. Morrissey, formerly known as Big Cash, apparently done with Impact. He'll have a match air in the next couple weeks, but his contract's up with Jay Hood's Impact Wrestling. So WWE or AEW? I tell you, Morrissey, I thought did a nice job on AEW TV. It was a surprise when he came out there, and he looked good. He actually had. He took most of the match against mm -hmm. Wardlow. I think WWE makes the most sense for him. Like, I understand why he got let go in the first place, but this is the guy. Like, this is your like this is the guy <laughs> that you want. Like, we always hear that WWE has a type. Like, isn't he's seven yep. feet tall? You can't teach that. He looks great. He moves well. Like, like give me give me more big cast. Don't give me Omas. Completely agree. I think that's where he goes. And then finally, Dave Meltzer says, a forbidden door, we'll see Okada defend the IWGP title against Hangman in Chicago at the end of the month. Hmm. So not champion against a champion. It's just going to be Hangman uh, opposing uh, – who's the opponent? I'm sorry. Okada for the title. Okada. Okada. Yeah, yeah that, that should be interesting. Yeah. That should be an interesting matchup. Um, that will be fun to see. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing just how the whole hard card goes. As I mentioned to you guys before, like, I love Tanahashi against Punk. I just wish I would have saw it 10 years ago. Sure. But, you know, if Punk can stay upright and have <laughs> a great match, I think that this could be really good against Tanahashi. He's been 0 for 2 lately. He's been a little, a little yeah. shaky. <laughs> yeah. Punk needs to get healthy by the end of the month. I don't think there's anything seriously wrong with him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have wrestled the trios match to lead off AEW. Dynamite last night, but it's clear there's kind of something wrong. The way he couldn't land the buckshot on Sunday, the way he tried to do a springboard to get into the ring last night, his, his springboard clothesline. Um, yeah, that just didn't – something seems just a hair off and maybe, you know, a week off or so of wrestling, a couple weeks off, we'll make sure he's nice and healthy for Forbidden Door. And I can't imagine being disappointed with any of the matchups when they all get announced for Forbidden Door. I, I got to imagine they're all going to be wildly entertaining. 
Yep. So, Browitz, as we close, uh, Gabe and I have an assignment for you. Okay. So, we know it is uh, Hell in the Cell on Sunday in Chicago. So, you are in charge of In Your House okay. on Saturday. Is that this weekend? No idea. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, you have to, I believe, In Your House for NXT is Saturday. So, we expect a full report All right. on, on In Your House. <laughs> it's written down. Let's go. So, so well, disappointing just... that those aren't things anymore, that we're not looking forward to NXT shows. Man. <laughs> well, Jay Hood mentioned, I mean, we've got so many shows to look forward to. We've got In Your House. We've got Hell in a Cell. Rampage to look forward to tomorrow night. Spoiler alert, my guess is my match of the week next week is probably going to be Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros, but who can actually say for sure? Um, we've enjoyed it. Big thank you as well to Peter Rosenberg for jumping on the program. We will be back next week with more GKW.